Welcome to Machine Learning. HTTP <clears throat> uh, request. So getting data from the web can uh, be simple as, as making the HTTP request and then doing a get. Uh, the world of RESTful APIs require to get. Um, the verbs were get, put, post and patch and uh, what get did is you had a HTTP server that's listening uh, on a socket or a port and uh, waiting for incoming requests so there's some protocol handshaking that occurs where um, a client makes a request to the server and then um, a response is given back based on uh, what's being requested. So it, you're starting at the hardware level and then moving up to the transport level, which would be uh, TCP IP, or it could be other, other protocols, depending on what your network is and the hardware that's running on the network. Uh, these are data packets that are moving on the network. And then you get to uh, your application level and it's in the application level that you would have your uh, callbacks where uh, in the case where if you were writing on a pipe you would uh, uh, do a receive and then when you're sending on the pipe you would do a send so you could do some socket programming um, and that that would uh, would uh, be working on the the inter-process of communication. So you, from one process communicating to another process through um, network communications uh, through packets that are being routed around uh, to the destination machine. So when, you, when Python, when we use the request library, we're actually establishing a client and uh, and then it's making a call to an HTTP server that's probably running on IIS or Apache or, or some sort of web server. And, uh, and then it's receiving, based on uh, uh, the, its request, it's receiving back a response. And in that response payload would be a status and also the body of the response which would be the text that's returning back so in python you can make a call uh, and get the request object and from the request object you can uh, prettify it and get the title get the get the uh, text that's in the uh, body and also you can load in another uh, package called beautiful soup and uh, beautiful soup. What it it does is it prettify. You can prettify your HTML up so it's readable, and then you can parse for things like anchor links or paragraphs or text or titles, um, and uh, extract out the content from the page. And then that content of that page then could be used <clears throat> in some indexing format to, to search that for that particular content. So things that you might be looking at are 
structured data. So you're looking for things like prices, uh, comparable products, or uh, other links to other resources. And then you can load those up into a tree structure and then uh, navigate down through that tree to see um, what what links that it's referring to. So you can walk the tree and then parse the content that way. But um, so in the in the form where you're receiving HTML, that's how you would do it. Just doing the response. Uh, if you were to make a call to an endpoint, which would return back a JSON string, which is a Java script. Uh, object notation it's more human readable and um, it's lighter weight than XML which is a XML is another exchange markup language and X XML is very popular with Microsoft <clears throat> it was uh, and it's it's uh, done with elements and attributes and whereas uh, JSON is um, a, a key value pair or tree structure, it's lighter weight, <clears throat> syntax is uh, less verbose. And you can store strings, you can store numbers, you can store dates. Uh, you can also store list and di other dictionary items of, yeah, inside of a dictionary. Then you can have um, object-oriented where structures where you have a parent-child relationship or one-to-many uh, data items. <clears throat> so JSON really is a kind of a universal transport and uh, you can take the uh, classes and serialize it to a class or you can deserialize it into a JSON string. <clears throat> and there's tools uh, and libraries for doing that and they work very effectively. When you do endpoint programming, the once you've authenticated through OAuth 2 or uh, through some token-based system, you are then can pass that token or bearer token or JWT token back to the, the endpoint, and that would then give you authorization to uh, query the different endpoints. And you follow probably the RESTful notation where the get, you would then have... Uh, the domain and you would pass in an index slash an index or an ID and then it would return back an object or of JSON structure or a list of objects or objects of a tree structure where it may contain um, other dictionary key value pairs but it's gonna it's all gonna be stored in a key value pair tree structure um, and it's just the way it's organized and serialized that will determine uh, the uh, final structured entity type, whether it be a dictionary collection or uh, object. In the most cases, in Microsoft, you have virtual collections, meaning that um, uh, the collection is not used until it may or may not contain a list of objects or a collection of objects in its serialization process. So that's what it, the virtual collection 
type tells the uh, the the compiler or pre, or the runtime compiler. So the um, in the case of object oriented, you have uh, virtual functions, and uh, virtual functions are uh, may be described in the derived class. And if you have a virtual function combined with an abstract function, then you, you're required to uh, describe that abstract class or function. So in the case with uh, C-sharp, sometimes uh, the abstract um, functions are important because you want them to be optional or required, excuse me, you want them to be required in the derived class. So you can set up a base class and then you can uh, describe them as overrides in the derived class. So you'd have an abstract function described in your base class, which then is overridden uh, in the derived class. So that allows you for uh, polymorphic behavior. <clears throat> and all those uh, classes and methods um, are allow for a lot of flexibility when it comes with JSON strings. Uh, so you can then you can have the different types of object-oriented variables are public, private, protected, um, internal, sealed. There's quite a few different uh, types. And each one depends on what level of encapsulation you want to uh, sustain. So in private, only the derived class can see that variable. In public, it, the variable is exposed to all classes um, through the instantiated class or the static class. And Sealed uh, does not allow any uh, deriving of the class or variable. So that's good for uh, like an assembly. If you're going to resell the assembly, you don't want, uh, you want it to be protected internally and sealed so that um, classes or, or methods are not being exposed uh, that are internal to that assembly. An assembly is just a DLL, uh, DLLs that can be distributed, um, whether they come down through NuGet packages or uh, they're distributed through the web or through an installing installation process. And then protected, uh, protected, I believe, can be seen by the parent and the child. And so the, you have different types of, of uh, class types for controlling encapsulation. Now, one of the interesting things is in object oriented is that you have a getter and a setter. And uh, when you're setting or assigning a variable, you can assign it directly to the internal pro private variable through a get uh, call or a set call 
and you could do uh you can call other functions within the set or you can do different manipulation or transformations um, as needed at the time of set and it also you might be able to do some uh, uh, abstracting where uh, you're creating derived classes based on a generic type so that that might be also one one case where setters are really valuable and then getters are used to uh, interact with the object and get the private variable so you're not letting any of the external classes manipulate your internal variables to the class directly they're going through setters and getters and so that and then in essence uh keeps your predictability stronger because you don't want uh, an external process changing the values of your variable uh, without going through a structured uh, API call or method. But then as far as when you do your, your request, um, and you get connected to the endpoint, then you retrieve the data back as a certain class type. The system in Python will uh, will then serialize the string, the JSON string, and map that into the class. So almost as if that you had a mapping function that describes how the variables should map. The variables will need to be the same name or they won't map. And um, uh, Python uses a variant type for the variables. So it will, it will, you will have to cast those types uh, at the time of assignment. And, uh, and then that, that's done through the serializing process. Once you have then your your list, then you can uh, you can do, build, put those lists into data frames, and uh, then you can apply the different data science classifier technology against that data frame. So um, the API is really important. It gives you access to more data on the World Wide Web, and as the web becomes more pervasive and people become more aware of these libraries uh, rather than getting their information from the news they may be able to get information directly from the data sources run their uh, different visualization transformations interact with the data and as AI gets better and the tools get better the AI algorithms can identify what types of behaviors can be applied to the data, and uh, and uh, it, it can help um, understand the data through interacting with the user uh, with the visualization system.